Greetings, friends of the apocalypse. Welcome to Podcast at Ground Zero, episode number nine, uh, Apocalyptic Graphic Novels and Comic Books. This is the Apocalypse Nerd and Adam Scott Glancy coming to you live yet again, and we won't we won't talk about that any further. So, <laughs> so uh, again, today we're going to talk about uh, graphic novels, comic books, and um, we're going to... Uh, just go to the meat of things and skip over uh, any kind of in the news because we, we didn't really have anything previously. We were ranting a little bit about uh, World War Z. We'll get we'll give a we'll give it its own fair airtime at another time. So uh, just suffice to say that I thought the movie was okay at best. Uh, I did like that they did have some. They tried to do something different. So I give them points for doing something different and not doing the standard cookie cutter movie. Even if it was a failure, they tried to do something different. Something different. And said so there was a lot of things that I liked about, uh, you know, there's a lot of breakdown, there's a lot of falls, you know, like the fall of this city, fall of that city, and we know how much I loved seeing, uh, seeing it all going to shit. So, uh, which is good. And again, uh, spoilers, uh, but one thing I do know is when the apocalypse comes, I want a garbage truck. A full, <laughs> a full honking garbage truck because somebody used that very effectively to clear traffic. So <laughs> I, I did, yeah. I did, I did enjoy that part very thoroughly. So as as much as we all enjoyed the use of the panel truck in the uh, Zack Schneider remake of uh, Dawn of the Dead, the the the, the dump truck, the, the garbage trucks would work even better. Oh, garbage trucks works even better, or even. Um, I, I think it would be a cool post-apocalyptic vehicle to digress a little bit is at airports they have these uh, fire trucks and there are these big honking eight-wheeled each wheel is taller than a man kind of truck I don't know what it's called I have to research it but I saw a whole thing on it it looked it's it's potent it's war it's warwag one just put some put some guns on it put some panels on it I think they're based off of the uh the the five and a, the five ton trucks that the army has there's a there's a there's a thing bigger than a deuce you know the old the classic deuce and a half you know um, oh there well <laughs> maybe we'll talk about how big your deuces are and if things are bigger but you know <laughs> thank you Jared that's that's charming let's get the poop joke in there as quickly as possible but I I I remember seeing these vehicles they're all over New Orleans because they had such tall clearance they could drive through the flooding back in Katrina. And they've been used for all kinds of heavy lift uh, ever since. But yeah, I know exactly what kind of vehicle you're talking about. Um, <clears throat> it does have that look like it's a base on wheels. You know? Oh yeah, it is. And just shit, the water cannon alone is a is a potent weapon. Who you know, as long as you could get liquid in there, you'd be good to go. You know. All right. So moving on to our comics, what are we going to begin with? What's okay. our oldest comic? Yeah, so just you know, comic books. So just like again, just folks, just like movies, gra uh, movies, com uh, books, uh, games. You know, there's post-apocalyptic graphic novels because again, it's telling a story, uh, except with illustration. So uh, there's a lot of stuff out there. There's been stuff out there for a while. Uh, there's a lot of new stuff, a lot of old stuff. You know, we're not going to talk about uh, the most probably well-known because, like uh, Scott had said before, you've probably found it on your own. Was The Walking Dead? Did not you, that we don't you... like. We love it. We, we love it. Dollars. Yeah, we love The Walking Dead. I I, I, I read it at its inception, uh, two thousand three. So we've been on board since the beginning, and we're still picking up the issues. So it's a good book, but you know, it, it will. When we talk more about more zombie-related apocalypses, which uh, we've been avoiding because 
it's too popular right now. Let's talk about other apocalypses because guess what? There's more shit out there than just zombies. So, uh, but but comic books, graphic novels. Uh, one of the first things I want to talk about is something that's a little newer, and is uh, is still readily available. Was a graphic novel put out by I uh, IDW, a pretty well-known independent comic uh, book company right now called Tribes, the Dog Years. It is available in print and is also available in uh, digital. I actually did pick up it up a digital copy for my iPad, and, and oof, it looks it looks fantastic. It looks really good. Uh, the basic premise of the story is. There is a, a disease virus out there, and uh, spoiler alert, it was man-made. And uh, they explained why it was man-made and why, what happened. But nobody lives past the age of about 19, 18 to 20. I can't remember exactly what it was. So the people are a bit primitive because they really don't have time to redevelop society because, you know, they're babies, they start growing up. They're teenagers. They're becoming. They're dead. You know. So it's like you don't really have time to reestablish society, which keep things, you know, kind of like at a tech level one type of uh, situation. Uh, but of course, they have the stereotypical. Yes, they do encounter an old person they've never seen one before, and he kind of explains what's happening, what's going on. But it's a pretty good story. Pretty. It's pretty well developed. A lot of good action. Uh, it definitely left it open for part two. Uh, I don't know when the hell part two is going to come out. Uh, because this one originally came out, they, they, keep, they keep on talking about it. This came out in, uh, what is the year, if I, I can't seem to find the copyright, uh, but it is still, again, it came out in the last, like, probably uh, 2010, so it's within the last couple of years, still readily available uh, for a new post-apocalyptic comic, it's pretty good. I, uh, it's, again, it's a big graphic novel, it wasn't serialized or anything, it's like, you get, here's the story. So uh, it's definitely worth uh, definitely worth a look. I, I did thoroughly enjoy it myself. Now uh, some other post-apocalyptic uh, that we do have, and I'll talk about them a little bit briefly. Is this is more stuff that uh, influenced my uh, post-apocalyptic gaming and passion for the apocalypse when I was growing up? Was uh, 2000 AD from England. I'm sure people are familiar with 2000 AD with Judge Dredd. They better. Uh, yeah, they better be. You know, if you call yourself a geek, you don't know who Judge Dredd is. Uh, you know, turn your <laughs> turn your card in right now, sir. You know, um, uh, it was kind of it was apocalyptic. It was dystopian. I liked it because it was very high tech, but it still had primitive in it. Uh, I love the high tech because it had all the you know bubble cars and blazer and Mark V blasters. It had all that aspect that you'd find like in Gamma World, and it did actually have some stories that actually were very ap apocalyptic, like. The Cursed Earth Saga, which was a was basically uh, a damnation out damnation alley with no credit to Rogers Elastic. Just no, no, no number, credit. Numbers filed right off. I mean, they even cross uh, the the Cursed Earth in their big war wags to deliver the cure to a plague. Yes, just like except it's it was uh, it's it's from the east to the west in. Damnation Alley, and it's uh, yeah, no, they went to Boston at Damnation Alley, yeah, and went to California in the Cursed Earth. Yeah, they went from Mega City One to Mega City uh, Three, I believe, because I think yeah. uh, I think Texas was two. But it's it's a pretty good series, a lot of good characters. You know, you had the uh, the angel the angel gang with Mean Machine. Uh, it's pretty good. There's a like I had said before, there was a pretty cool concept in here, which I think would make a great Gam World scenario. Uh, just in brief, there's a whole there's a story arc 
called Chapter Seven: Night of the Vampire. It's these vampires were haunting these haunting these villages, uh, sucking people's blood, and they find out that it's actually robots taking people's blood. Now, the idea of the robots and why they did it and what they were doing was pretty cool. And again, I think it would make a very a pretty good uh, game world scenario uh, from that book. So, again, Cursed Earth uh, is pretty good. It's very focused on the uh, the apocalypse. Uh, but another aspect of 2080, which I enjoyed thoroughly myself, is uh, Stronium Dog. Uh, Stronium Dog was a bounty hunter. It was a post-apocalyptic. There was still some society. They were mutants. They couldn't get jobs. So they became bounty hunters. So there's a mix of uh, post-apocalyptic, uh, post you know, on the Earth, uh, a lot of space travel, a lot of, you know, and uh, but it was it was a good mix again high tech weapons post apocalyptic mutants so I did kind of like a lot of uh, how that how that worked uh, they have collected plus, all plus there were you know uh, 2008 was the home for a number of other post apocalyptic stories yes that turned up because it was a it was serialized stories like didn't uh, what was it called shock uh, which was which which kind of like was made into um, uh, uh, shoot! What was the the the, the movie with the uh, the killer robot? Hardware. Hardware. You know there that there was a, a short comic called Shock Trooper or Shock, where the guy brings home the bits of the robot to use for his metalworking sculpture. You know, in in Mega City One, out of the wasteland, and then reassembles itself. Uh, that I think I remember being around before. Um, yeah. Uh, as a as a precursor, even that was based off. Of, I think even that was based on Karen Black being chased around by the Zuni fetish doll in Trilogy of Terror. Except instead of a little wooden doll, it was a killer robot. Yeah, and the wibbly wobbly lock. But no, let's not. Let's not, let's not go there. there. Holy cow! That's but some scary stuff. It is, but 2080 is very good for a lot of that stuff. Uh, again, I like I like Stronium Dog. It's available. They put out a collection of four uh, four graphic, big graphic novels, collections. I have all four of them. You know, they make good uh, doorstops, too. So it is it is out there. It is readily uh, available. So now uh, some, some of the other... Go ahead. You know, so you stack them up, you can stop bullets. They can be part of your uh, defense plan for the apocalypse. Yeah, so when you're done reading them, you know, just stuff them in your, stuff them in your sweater, you know, so you know, <laughs> make big armor out of it. Uh, but there, there are some other ones, uh, more mid-80s ones. Uh, I don't have these, so we're going to let oh. uh, Scott, uh, yeah, you, you just show those to us, the, the couple of uh, gems you got there. Well, uh, I have the complete series of uh, American Flag. Now, American Flag was uh, was created by Howard Scheichen for First Comics back in the, the 80s. And um, these were beautifully illustrated, uh, and they were sort of set in a post-apocalyptic setting, in that 1996, comic was written in 83, 1996 was the year of the domino, the year everything went to hell, the East Coast meltdown, massive crop failures, the USR collapses in an Islamic insurrection, five years too late, uh, food riots shake Western Europe, uh, Asia assaulted by the Black Plague, international banking system collapses, Iran-Israel nuclear exchange, Germany reunites, nukes London, California sinks, plague spreads, and anyone who's everyone in, uh, you know, banking or uh, government, 
uh, hops the space shuttle and takes off for uh, Gagarin-Grad, like as in the first man in space, the Soviet moon base and the American Mars base. And all the rich people evacuate the world while it's going to hell. And now it's like the 2030s, uh, something like that. And sounds uh, like uh, sounds like Elysium. The movie yeah. is coming out a little bit. Now the apocalypse has happened, and now uh, coming back from there, where they sat out the apocalypse in style, um, the powers that be are coming back to try and sort of gain control of the Earth through something called the Plex. And it's like a franchise. It's, as, as, a, as an evil empire, it's like a franchise trying to regain control of the Americas, Canada, what used to be the Soviet Union. Um, and meanwhile, uh, the world is run by, you know, sort of uh, the third world powers we left behind, like Brazil and sub-Saharan Africa. Those are the superpowers now. It, it, it had a lot of, it had some post-apocalypse, but mostly uh, it was about dystopia and it was making fun of American consumerism and American, uh, uh, you know, obsession with entertainment. So it's not quite apocalyptic enough, but I think Timothy Truman's scout uh, definitely fits the bill for thoroughly apocalyptic. There were two series, uh, Scout and Scout War Shaman. And um, many of them were collected. Did you say, Jared, that these have been collected into... Um, Big graphic novels now. Yeah, there was a. I think originally a number of years ago they were actually uh, collected into two uh, two books, uh, eight issues each. Uh, they actually were redone or they called remastered by uh, Dynamite Comics, and they're readily available uh, on their website. I saw so they were like they were kind of the, the art was recolored, reconstituted, so it has a nice new fresh look to it. So they are they are collected uh, in two volumes and are and are available now. The original, uh, originally, um, the idea was that uh, uh, that these were put out by something called Eclipse Comics, and they put out a few other sort of uh, apocalypty things. They uh, they put out uh, Winter World, and I want to say that they put out um, another Timothy Truman title uh, that was uh, um, I'll never remember now. It was the one set in the uh, multi-dimensional city uh, where reality changed from block to block, where in one block guns work and another block guns don't. And so being a private investigator in this sort of sci-fi fantasy multi-dimensional city meant knowing your neighborhoods. Um, but anyway, Scout was essentially set in a America where uh, we've become the third world. Um, our industry has collapsed. All our top is ruined. They were back in the Dust Bowl. Um, it was Timothy Truman taking a crack at Reagan's America. That, you know, somehow America can't be successful for very long without using up all its resources and, you know, California will fall into the sea and, uh, you know, uh, you know it'll, it'll turn into this banana republic, essentially. And um, that's the setting for the most part. As the story goes on longer and longer, it becomes more and more, frankly, apocalyptic. Rather than putting things back together again, which is sort of what was happening in American Flag, it just it's just this slow spiral of destruction in Scout. Uh, the main character is Emmanuel Santana, who is a deserter from the U.S. Army, uh, who is an Apache who has sort of reverted to uh, his original Apache mysticism. And 
he sees the world in terms of uh, Apache myths and monsters, which for him stand in as the corrupt government of the United States. Oh, you're muted. Hey, while I unmute my uh, microphone here, is, was he a uh, <laughs> uh, was he a white Comanche warrior like in the no, uh, Gene Roddenberry no. series in the 1970s, no. which we talked about a few episodes ago? Set, no, he was not like Ted Cassidy. He was uh, flat out Apache. And Tim Truman has a had a huge heart on for uh, Native American stories. In fact, um, he wrote uh, he wrote a graphic novel about Tecumseh, who was one of the Indians. Uh, who fought one of the last, you know, semi-successful wars against America in like the 1820s. So, uh, as part, of, so this is sort of a continuation of that. But um, you know, it, it's set in like uh, 1999 uh, when it first starts off, and uh, the world it posits clearly didn't come to pass because America didn't fall into the crapper, and the Soviet Union didn't take over the rest of the world. Because the rest of the world in, in this uh, story is Mexico is like Cuba. It's a communist state right on our border. And, uh, you know, um, uh, Alaska is divided between Canada and Russia in a Lend-Lease program so that they get to use all the oil in, in Alaska because America can't pay its bills anymore. Uh, and it's, it's things like that. Uh, and, you know, no. So the Soviet Union does not fare so hot after 1991. But well, I don't know what uh, I don't know what world you're living in, but everything you've described sounds like my day-to-day -day life. So, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it was extremely well illustrated, um, and uh, but it became you know it was one of the, it was from the age of 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 the real uh, burst into uh, you know, micro publishers and independent publishers and comics in the mid to late 80s. Oh yeah. Um, but um, it was worth a, it was it was it was a good story. It was worth a read uh, for me, and um, one of my favorite things about it about it, both uh, American Flag and um, uh, Scout had this thing where you know as the government went broke, all these other groups showed up to buy off government surplus. So in uh, Scout, you had um, the uh, uh, at some point the um, the the uh, the Salvation Army is an actual military force uh, that uh, stomps around America with government surplus tanks that the government can't afford anymore. Um, you know, uh, uh, crushing the unbelievers uh, and acting as a sort of uh, an independent militia that the government then subcontracts to uh, to go do its dirty work. Um, uh, and so there's a number of others. They make there's they have one for the Klan, but I don't remember exactly what the what the reworked American Klan was. Um, the one thing I do remember from uh, let's see what was it called? The Knights of America is what the Klan is reworked as. Um, from from American Flag, what I always remember was there were all these political clubs that reminded me of the poly clubs from Gamma World that are all over the place, like the Goddardamocrats, which is the American Nazi Party, and the American Survivalist Labor Committee, and the, um, the Legion Legion. Uh, you know, I don't know what the hell they are, but they have the word scab written on all their uniforms. Um, <laughs> yeah, the uh, Judeo-Christian moralists militia. There's all these different political clubs that fight all the time, and the Plex actually 
gives them credit cards and cameras so they can buy weapons and film the firefights and it's the most popular show on the air Friday Night Firefight Live where the only rules are you can't shoot up a commercial district where people are shopping and you can't use airplanes other than that you know no chemical weapons no airplanes other than that they just there's sections of of Chicago where the story set where it's just a free fire zone which is part of the everyone's nightly entertainment on the cable TV um, and that was one of the things that always that, that really got me is in, in both of these is this idea of of militias that are just running amok over the country but wait that sounds like winning TV I don't know why the networks aren't really doing this right now because I think with drop with drop with ratings with ratings dropping uh, you know they need to pick this it up is, you know it's reality TV. You know, it writes itself. No need for a script doctor. <laughs> you know, all you do is get out there with your wobbly cam and shoot each other. Oh, exactly. It's like, oh, well, that would be more entertaining because it's like I see, like, Guilty Pleasure, we watch the, uh, we watch that um, Breaking Amish show. What? And uh, Breaking Amish. It's that these clowns who were Amish and they've left the community and it follows their shenanigans. It's so contrived. It's like these people like left a long time ago. It's so bad, but it's like watching a fucking train wreck. You can't keep your eyes off it. But uh, you know, but again, it would be more uh, you know a show like this with live fart would be more entertaining because of this. Like, well, you know what? It really is off the cuff. Whereas this, it's so like plotted and planned and stuff like that's like. Okay, let's go shoot over there. That's it. Not much yeah. le- not more than that. Friday Night Firefight Live. And the other show I remember was Bob Violence, which was an <laughs> anim- Bob Violence. <laughs> Bob <laughs> Violence. Bob Violence was a um, uh, you know just a t- was an animated TV show. It was like itchy and scratchy with assault rifles. Um, and uh, you know that was one of their popular shows in the world of American Flag. Um, Bob Violence. Bob violence. Yeah. I, so, I love it. I love it. <laughs> but all that was more dystopia than it was good, solid apocalypse. There are areas of the world that were still wild and ungoverned, but for the most part, these were more dystopic than purely apocalyptic. And I want to say in my defense that most of the comics that Jared's about to roll out now, I own as well but uh, and, and highly treasure. But uh, let's move on to the next entry. Well, well, you didn't need to justify it. It's just that I just had them more readily available. But, uh, um, but again, like we even like we said, we are going to cross the border between dystopia and apocalyptic a lot because they kind of go hand in hand. Because a lot of times, the dystopia forms after the apocalypse. You know, yeah. just just take a look at uh, Children of Men. Children of Men, or let's not take a look at uh, the Hunger Games. Yeah, let's try not to. If we could possibly help it. Yeah, like I said, that's one of the very few movies that I've ever walked out of. <laughs> All right, um, moving along to moving along. And, Don Lomax. Should we move and, on to Don? But, and also, somebody's defense of the movie was, oh, well, you know what, you need to read the book, because then, it then, it then it's a lot better and it makes more sense. And I'm like, well, you know what, if I have to read the book, to appreciate the movie, then the movie didn't do its job. Yeah, that's just that's just a fail. That's a fail. Yeah. So, uh, next thing uh, we'll move on to is uh, something from, if we're familiar with Von Bode, 
uh, Von Bode of uh, Cheech Wizard fame. And if, for those of you who don't know who Cheech Wizard is, he's this little wizard uh, who's red, I believe, and he has this hat that covers his whole body except for it's like his hat is his body is covered except for his penis down and his feet. He just <laughs> And apparently this was all over. This is a very popular underground uh, sort of psychedelic In the comic. 70s. Yeah. 60s, 70s. He's got his, it's his yellow and red, and there's a lot of, like, weird wizard women, and there's a lot of boobs, and it's very vomboed. But he did this thing called Cobalt 60. Yeah, so um, hold, that, hold that up to the nice folks. Oh, Cobalt 60. There you go. This was a later uh, reissue of that because I think it was thanks to uh, probably his son Mark Bode and Larry Todd because uh, uh, Mark Bode still like does artwork in his father's style and still puts a lot of his uh, father's stuff out there. Uh, they put a collection. It's I mean I think I originally saw this serialized probably in Epic or Heavy Metal magazine and they kind of put it all together. Uh, the simple story is Cobalt Sixty is the Robin Hood hero. Of the mutants because there's these the the knights of genetic purity uh, type folks who are trying to squash all the mutants in this in this evil post-apocalyptic world and he's fighting them. It's the whole you know church suppression you know genetic purity kind of thing that's uh, going on there and it's in this story. That's that's what it basically boils down to. But it's not a bad read if you get your hands on it. You know it's it's, it's apocalyptic. A lot of you know mutants and Firefights and crazy creatures, you know, uh, not bad. Some post you know, some apocalyptic-looking uh, scenery. So it's certainly uh, more lighthearted than the two comics I mentioned, which were drawn very photorealistically. Oh yeah. Uh, oh, I mean, here's here's just to show a quick little um, sample of how the art look works. Again, very lighthearted, uh, but again, it's it's good stuff. Very classic, you know, Vombo. It's it's not it's not um, we're not it's not poorly done. It's just done. Differently, it's done more comic-y, you know. Yeah. So it's very, it, but it's very getting, cartoonish. Yeah, very cartoonish. But again, it, it's not bad. It's pretty good. It's worth a read. I think it's probably still readily it's readily available readily available if you get your um, hands on it. So Von Bo did tapped into that. Uh, also, everybody's friend Richard Corbin, who's um, known for a lot of his fantasy work for the last, I don't know, 30, 40 years. Yeah. Uh, does a lot of high fantasy. He did a couple of post-apocalyptic uh, books. Uh, he didn't necessarily do the writing. He did the illustrations on them and worked on the stories a little bit. Uh, he did one thing, which we've talked about before, is he did an adaptation of A Boy and His Dog called Vic and Blood, The Chronicles of A Boy and His Dog, which uh, I got right here, which uh, A Boy and His Dog is done by a story by Harlan Ellison. Now, the book... The graphic novel, uh, I believe, follows the story uh, a little bit better than the Don Johnson movie. Well, the Don Johnson movie couldn't do the could not do the effects that yeah. were required for that robot, for one thing. Yeah. And they they couldn't show the screamer. Nope. You know, they they show the glow from the screamer, which is kind of nice, but they never could. You know, they didn't have the effects to do that. But uh, yeah, the um, and they also couldn't make the characters as young as they are in the book. Yeah. Yeah, because they're kids, a lot of them, you know? Yeah, really underaged. Very underaged. And it's not, uh, and the Screamers, what I, what I always remember about the Screamers was, from the story, was I wonder if the Screamers from the story inspired the Screamers, which were, 
uh, an encounter in the Legion of Gold Gamma World module, GW1. There's, oh, yeah. a se there's a section where you find these ten uh, shelters, and there's these screamers. They're these glowing, melting, nasty creatures. So I'm wondering if uh, they took that from the Harlan Ellison story, uh, Boy and His Dog. Very radioactive undead. And yeah. frankly, probably recycled for the, 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 the glowing ghouls, radio, uh, the radiation leaching, leaking ghouls from Fallout as well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So uh, Corbin did the illustration on that. It's a very nice piece. It, I believe it's still I believe it's still readily available. Again, a lot of times you can find the stuff on Amazon. Sometimes you can find better deals. You can't. Uh, another the, the first Corbin one that I found was as a child, uh, as I saw it actually in the adverts of Heavy Metal magazine, which I was reading when I was. You know, I I saw it in 1984. Do you remember 1984? It was another magazine like that. It was another magazine like. Uh, heavy metal or epic. Um, I don't remember who put it out, but that's the first time I saw Mutant World, which is the next one you bring up. Uh, 1984. I can't remember who put it out because because uh, uh, Epic was put out by one of the big Mar comic companies. Yeah, Marvel. Like Marvel. Marvel. Yeah. Marvel put out uh, Epic. Heavy Metal was itself, and in 1984 came out. And I don't remember who did that one, but but I saw I see him in the back of Heavy Metals, you know. So yeah, I was reading Heavy Metals when I was like, you know. 15, not supposed to. Not supposed. Well, when no. you're not supposed to be reading them. Yeah, I was 15, 14, whatever, you know. But Mutant World, I saw it, and all I saw was this uh, giant dog and uh, chicks with bear. big bo chicks with big boobs and bare chested mutant guys. So I'm like, hey, that looks good. Let me go order that. So yeah. so I got uh, uh, Mutant World. Not bad. It's you know a lot of uh, you know the world is just devastated in this, but there's definitely. A lot of mutants, sparsity, uh, pretty good scenes. You know, there's there's a whole, there's a there's a plot. There's a whole story to it. You know, you have uh, the mutants. You have the people above ground. There are some below ground folks. People in bunkers. So it covers the whole gambit of you know apocalyptic that you would find from you know uh, the people in the you know people in the installations to people running and, on the, and the outside. It is, it is stunningly horribly ruthless. Yeah. Oh I yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, our our main character in the story is. Uh, a giant idiot man-child who's completely trusting and stupid and is constantly taken advantage of by everybody he meets in the worst ways possible. Yeah, I think they call him uh, like De Demento, Demento or something like that. Demento. I can't, I can't quite remember. But, uh, but no, there, there's some good stuff in it. There's some good characters, some interesting stuff. Yeah, some of the characters are ruthless and brutal. Um, it's not bad. It, it's pretty good. It's, uh, I don't know if Mutant World is still available. You might be able to get your hands on it. I think more readily available is Son of Mutant World, which I don't have, which is a which is, was the follow up to this, which I heard is very good. Wow, uh, I've never I've never heard of that, Mr. Wallace. Tell us more. I don't know much about it because I've never I've never seen it. I don't have I don't have a copy of it. It was called Son of Mutant World. I think it's it it, uh, it is a continuation of the story of some of the main of like one at least one of the main characters. It was like maybe three four issues. I'm not a, again. I'm not a hundred percent because I don't have it. I've never seen it. That's one worth chasing down. Yeah, I gotta chase that one down because Mutant World is pretty good. And I even had besides having the graphic novel available, there was a poster of the cover that was available that I had and had hanging on my wall. Uh, when I was in high school, of this big giant poster of this big nasty dog moon creature was hanging on my wall. So again, I love the apocalypse. So, <laughs> so what's next? 
What's next? Uh, some other good stuff. One of my favorites uh, is uh, an artist, author, Pippi, I believe it's Morano is his name. He is from uh, South America. I believe he's, he's probably... A, I, I want to say he's. I want to say he's Brazilian. I don't know why. I, I, th I thought. I thought he was. I thought he was Argentinian. Um, you might be no, right. No, no, no. He. If he was listening to us, he would stab us both in the face because we're both wrong. He's from Valencia, Spain. Okay. Oh. So, yeah. I see. Yeah. Uh, he was best known. He got uh, to be known for in the early '90s. There was a, a Batman comic called Batman Digital Justice. Uh, it was the first uh, totally computerized graphic novel that came out there for superheroes, and he was very well known for that. But I remember him originally from Generation Zero, which was serialized in uh, Epic. Epic Magazine. I think the first issue was like April of 83 was the first issue, which was actually the first issue I ever bought of Epic yeah. Magazine, and it happened to have that story. Uh, it's a good story. It's uh, set after the apocalypse. Um, it takes starts off in Iceland. You get these three characters, these kids. You know, there's like a you know a, sur a survived city, uh, a civilization in Iceland in this like this big bunker complex, giant bunker complex. And uh, there is there's a it's there's a little bit of high technology like they send them. They're also all refugees. All the characters are like, you know, one's an American, one's a Russian, one's a European, and they've all gathered there as refugees from. A pretty standard Soviet American doomsday scenario. Yeah. yeah, no, yeah, nothing different. The whole the beginning of the book tells about the whole story. Uh, they're all they're all hanging out there, so it works. So it's a pretty good story, and uh, they're looking for he like his father because there was a message that was received as he went out exploring to try to find some stuff in the world, and basically it's them chasing down his father, and uh, there is a little bit of high technology. But, but to find there. But they are trying to find a place to relocate the colony to because as they're well. running out of resources. Because because apparently his father was looking for that as well, and supposedly they need to so they won't need to find his father because he sent a message and he they're like okay he must have found something we got to find him now, so they're searching for him. Uh, they have like this kind of a high tech kind of aircraft, not quite you know, uh, you know it's not an airplane, it's not like super high tech. They do have this guy does have like a like a cybernetic arm. So there is a little bit of tech. There is a little bit of high tech, but not too much. Um, you know, they they go all throughout the world. They go to the Middle East. You get to see what the Middle East is like. The Atlantic Ocean. They find some, you know, all kinds of different characters, different people. So, but I don't want to give. They, give too they, they, they hit New York and find how the mutants in New York. Uh, but you got to tell them about the oil tankers in the Red Sea. Oh yeah, that's the Middle East. Yeah, it's um, they uh, they come across this organization of these quasi military, Nazi, you know, whatever organization you want to call them, because, you know, everybody's a Nazi, and uh, they they have established bases around uh, tankers, because apparently a lot of the oceans have dried out, especially, like, you know, I think it was, like, the, 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 was it the Persian, not the Persian Gulf, was it the Persian the Gulf? The Red Sea. I think it's the Red Sea. It was... The Red Sea Desert now. Yep. So it, it you know, I guess uh, the it got blocked off, so it dried out. So there's all these tankers there. They're on their side. So they build their bases around the tankers to use the oil to make the gasoline to fuel all their expeditions, all their vehicles, their jets, things like that. So they're expanding, trying to take over. So uh, they go to Cairo. It's pretty. It's pretty. It's pretty interesting. You know, they 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 go to South America. 
they were, you know, they encounter other people. Pretty good story. I, again, I'm not going to I'll reveal too much of it. It may, it may, you could probably still get your hands on a copy of it, but I think eventually uh, Pepe is supposed to actually put this out again because he runs a website, independent comic website, where he's actually put some of his stuff available because he's done, he's redone. Uh, he's going to be redoing Generation Zero. He's already done his other book uh, called Re uh, Rebel, which he put out. Rebel's a little more dystopian, uh, but it's definitely apocalyptic as well. He's already kind of redone this, where he's like, I have it. He's you know redone the art, touched it up a little bit. He's changed some of the dialogue. He's you know taken one of these angles of you know what I wanted. I didn't do it the way I wanted to. Kind of uh, approaches, and then I've actually emailed him and said. You know, it was great the way it was. I mean, I appreciate you wanting to redo your work, but, you know, I thought it was a classic as is. So, um, I got, that's... I got to disagree with you slightly on that. I thought that uh, of the two, between Rebel and Generation Zero, Generation Zero is the better story. And Archie Goodwin, I guess, was the co-writer... Yes. ...on, on uh, Generation Zero. And his influence shows. It's a, it's a much more nuanced... Uh, story with different, you know, much more interesting levels to it. Uh, Rebel comes off um, in some ways as being far more two-dimensional. Yeah. Uh, but well, but what I'm saying is that, you know, he's changed, he's changed it a little bit. Um, again, for the better, for the worse. It didn't really change too much, but it's interesting, and he's supposed to be redoing Generation Zero, and uh, apparently that's not going to change at all because it was Archie Goodwin's story. So he's yeah. not going to be changing. He's not going to be changing any of the dialogue. Whereas Rebel was completely him. Uh, Rebel takes place in New York City. Is there's, there's gangs that run around in, in you know the, the the abandoned city. There's a, there's an organization of you know Nazi military again military types who try to control everything. Well, very, it's the sanitation police. That's right, the sanitation the, police. The stormtroopers in this story are the sanitation police who are removing the 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 public garbage, the human waste from society by shooting everybody who, you know, uh, apparently has a tattoo or ducktails. I mean, it's just, um, it's, it's pretty, anyone who's dressed like one of the sharks in the jets uh, gets taken off and shot, except for the uh, creepy gay Nazi skinheads yeah. uh, who, oh, yeah, who are yeah. the, well, that, who that's are the, 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 lead, the leader, the leader of the skinheads looks like something out of, uh, Oh, I don't know. Some, some Rocky band, Horror. Rocky Horror or uh, oh, what is that fucking movie? Um, you tell me. Phantom of the... Oh, no. It was like 70... Phantom of the, the Phantom of the Paradise? Yes. Yes. Oh, thank you. Oh, my God. Oh, that is... That's some ancient history, sir. All right. But, yeah. Yeah, I love that they get down and the, the leader of the, the Nazi skinheads is some twink. I mean, he's just this little slip oh, yeah. of a gay guy who minces around all the time. And I'm like, I'm how, why are they listening to him again? He doesn't seem to have anything in common with them. But because, right. he, because he has this unintelligent brute as his bodyguard that's bigger, twice as big as anybody. You know. Oh yeah, yeah. I remember. He, I forgot he had the subhuman assistant and. Yeah. You know the the head creepy sanitation police Nazi guy is is stooping him. So we have the the extra benefit of the bad guys not only being Nazis but being gay Nazis. So oh, and I believe uh, Pinball, yeah, that that's his bodyguard there, Pinball. Yeah, the orc, the big nasty teeth. Yeah. The, the orc that just blew in from Isengard. 
you know, <laughs> to show up at the story. Oh, Somebody's and and here here's here's what we're talking about. Uh, his name is Dahl, by the way, D O L L. Dahl. I, I'm I'm not opposed to having gay guys be post-apocalyptic warlords. I mean, we all respect Wes. Okay. Well, who doesn't? <laughs> you know, but that's because you know he was he could actually badass shit and smash things and leap over barbed wire fences in a single bound. You know, and shoot guys with crossbows. This Dahl character just flops around his apartment being sarcastic. Yeah. You know? <laughs> That's his, apparently his only superpower is to be wry and condescending. <laughs> okay. Whatever. But again, it's pretty, it's, I mean, it's not terrible. Again, it's, it's, it's got a lot of cool things. Like, they have, like, cool vehicles. Oh, it's they have, beautifully, like, armor. beautifully illustrated. Like, anything beautifully illustrated. A lot of cool, again, a lot of cool concepts. Again, these are things I was reading back in the day when I was playing post-apocalyptic games. So, again, a lot of this stuff was very influential in my ideas and visions of the world and things I you know, wanted to see him do in doing them. So, but Pepe Moreno stuff, again, it's pretty good. Some of it's readily available. Some will be more readily available. Did, did Moreno talk at all about the problem that uh, in Rebel, at some point, they blow up the World Trade Center? Uh, no, no. I, I would have thought that would be one of those things just like, whoops, is that a lot? Are we allowed to have a comic that that happens in, or are we like, you know, well, 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 he wrote it. He wrote it originally back in like '85. So you know, it's yeah, and and frankly, doesn't blow up the World Trade Center until the 2020s or something, right? Yeah, isn't it supposed to be the the near future? You know, as far yeah. as he's concerned, the the World Trade Center made it an extra 20 years. Yeah, uh, 1986. Yeah, is when he was when he wrote that, and yeah, the World Trade Center. It's kind of you know. Uh, one of the head towers is half down, so I mean it's, it's kind of dilapidated, kind of falling apart. There's a good. Sh I'm trying to find. There's a good shot here of um, what it looks like. I'm trying to find it. If you give me just a uh, second here, I think I can. Yeah, he shows like uh, you know one of the ta half half the tower down. Yeah, yeah. Because that's what that's where the sanitation police are houses and what's left of the other building of the World Trade Center. So, yeah. Because, you know, it's like their castle. It's up high. They could look down on the peasants and kill them all. Yeah. So, For reasons that even now seem kind of vague. But, all right, it doesn't matter. It but, was beautiful and it looked good and things exploded. So it had all that going for it. Hey, it, 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 well, you, don't need any, you don't need much more than that sometimes. So that's, yeah, those, are, those are some really good ones there. Uh, we just got a we got a couple more titles. I got two quick titles I'm going to talk about. There we're going to hit the two bi bigger ones I want to talk about: uh, the Last Generation and uh, Twilight uh, Twilight X. Uh, a couple of quick ones that I have here. Uh, I don't know how these are, these might be hard to track down. New England Comics, uh, who did uh, the Tick comic book for, still does I think the Tick comic book. Put out these two comics. It was only two issues. It was called Nuclear War. Pretty self-explanatory title: Nuclear War. What more do you, what 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 can I expect in this? Teddy bears and, and rainbows and uh, ponies, and ponies, unicorns. No, it's a, the story starts off with this whole uh, one of these uh, situations where America collapses. You know, uh, the Chinese are in league with the Russians and they trick everybody, and they're able to you know nuke the country and bring it down and kind of take over. You know, and there's this whole you know. Uh, 
you know, traders of, of America who work for the uh, the occupying uh, forces and try to keep the people under control, use the resources. I think they're called Democrats. Yeah. Uh, how, how, how political was it? Was it really like... Uh, if you if you watch PBS, you're gonna side with the Soviet oppressors, or you know, how how uh, how politicized was it? Yeah, not, it was not too bad, but uh, but it's, again, it's a really simple comic. It wasn't anything you know super fantastic. It was only two issues, but you know it talks about you know there's a lot of insurgency, a lot of forces fighting against the the evil. Um, you know, you could probably still get them on their website. Again, it's a quick. It, was, it got a little better in the second one because it showed more, more post-apocalyptic kind of stuff. Again, quick. So it read. sounds. It sounds very uh, Red Dawn. Yeah, it's very Red Dawnish. Uh, again, it's it, nothing to write home about. But again, it's it's there. I have it. I had to get it because it was uh, it was a uh, post nuke. Uh, one comic book put out by again in the '80s by a lot of the independent comic uh, companies like you talked about. Apple Comics, it was called, put out a book from Don Lomax called Survive. I uh, got Scott a copy of this one. I really, really like Survive. Yeah. It's it's something that I originally found. It was serialized in gun magazines, like you know, like you'd find like like a guns and ammo type of thing back in the. This is like eighty two, eighty three, maybe. And I found one like serialized part of it, um, and we got the magazine just for, just for that. And eventually, years later, I tracked down there was like apparently a whole comic put out uh, for it, and it basically takes place right before the you know the nukes fly. It's this family. It centers around this family, uh, a husband, a wife, and their two kids, about how they're trying to survive survive the apocalypse. It's pretty gritty. It gets pretty hardcore. It gets very oh, it's it's all cannibalism and poop. I mean, yeah. uh, there it, it gets pretty nasty pretty quick. And the guys who are being nasty, okay, sure, the Russians are lobbing nukes over, but all the threat comes from the your fellow Americans. Oh yeah, it's but it's it's brutal. It gets really down and dirty. This the shit they talk about, they do. It's a good comic. I think you can still get it. Like uh, Mile High Comics, you might still be able to get it off of them because that's where I got it from. Um, he did it as a one-issue thing, and I think I believe uh, I was looking through the comic again today. It says, "Want to see more? Then write. Survive. P.O. Box six ten, Greencastle, PA." So basically, when he did originally put this out all these years ago, did it as a one-off and said, "You want to see more? Write me and let me know you want more, and he would make more." But he never did any more. But it's just that one little story. They're in bunkers. They're in sewers. Uh, you see the apocalypse. There's there's already gangs of warlords running around. It's good. It's a real it, one issue. It's a good. Con it's a really good post-apocalypse. The shit went down, and how are we surviving through it? Comic. I can't recommend this one enough. It's very it good. Is, if you it is absolutely. On it. it is absolutely ruthless and nasty and brutal and gross. Uh, it is perhaps the grossest of any of the comics we've talked about as far as doing nasty, unpleasant stuff. I mean, the chapter called the Warlord. There's this warlord who used to be like the sheriff or something and is now running, you know, his encampment and they're capturing people and locking them up in the basement and to eat them to be cannibals. And when our heroes show up and liberate everybody in the basement so they can go up and kill the warlord and overthrow his regime, all they did, they killed the warlord and all his flunkies, and there was like, 
Woo! Soup's on. Let's eat the warlord and his flunkies. Nothing has changed. Yeah, everybody. Everybody. What is? What's the story? Everybody eats everybody on Sunday's planet. Yeah. But um, it's it's just it's but it's a good it's a good story. There's some there's some again I don't want to spoil you know too much of it, but there's once again cannibal again. We've encountered this a lot lately in some of the uh, TV shows we talked about. All, for some reason, everybody goes cannibal like out of the gate. Like the gates open, the the, 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 the horses come hat. out, everybody's eating everybody. It's like, dude, can't you like try to maybe scrounge for some food first, canned goods, grocery stores? Why is everybody eating everybody immediately? It's like they're not even trying, you know. <laughs> <laughs> they're not even trying. They're not even trying to survive. It's like, okay, well, Bob, I'm gonna have to eat you. It's like, uh, but we got all those beans. No, no, I gotta eat you. <laughs> I mean, it's not. The it's bean, not like the beans will go a lot further if I eat you first and don't have to split the beans with you. And that's <laughs> exactly. You know, I'll be full on. I'll be full on Bob, and then you know, I don't have these many beans. You know, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's it's like the road. It's like everything's like the road, except all well, the road is you know. Ten years into it, and yeah. everything's dead. All the food is gone, you know. But yeah. these things are like, well, the apocalypse happened. Everybody get their knives and fork out and eat your neighbor. It's like start, pro- start prioritizing your housemates immediately. I know it's weird. I don't understand this the whole cannibalism thing lately. But well, it's um, because it's because it's scary as all get out. It scares yeah. the shit out of people, um, and they don't want to have to build. They don't want to build a story like in the road where it's. Ten years after the event, and we've finally worn ourselves down to this, you know, kind of like I guess um, the day, the day, yeah. Even the day implied that it had been years and years and years. Yeah, ago. many many years. Yeah. All, all I know is in this. Speaking of cannibals, there's this one scene. Oh, I don't want to. All I gotta say is there's a scene with a mother and newborn twins. Okay, that's uh, all I gotta. That's all I. Yeah. Yeah, get this book if you can. Okay, Re- read survive. Get survive. Okay, you have to get it. It is again by Don Lomax. L O M A X. Okay. All right. Right uh, now, he, Lomax used to write some backup stuff for American Flag back in the day. I can remember his stuff turning up quite a bit. And uh, he was also known for. He also did. Uh, what was one of the things he was known for? Uh, shit. He did something for. Was it? Was it? He did a lot of stuff for Apple Comics. He did some other. He did a lot of like war. He did a lot of war stuff, you know. Yeah, there was a Vietnam series he did because uh, and, got, Indi- well, Vietnam Journal, Indian Country. Yeah, yeah, that's what I remember. I got the impression he might have been a vet. Uh, All right, now, least, the, now the last two uh, series that we will talk about here is we got two of them here. I'm going to talk more about one. Scott's going to talk more about the other because okay. it's kind of our dividing line of. Now, mind you, I do. Like the one he uh, that, that he's going to talk about, but he's the one who introduced me to it. He's the one who read it years, years before I did. So um, I'll let you. I'll let you uh, start with that. With that. Okay. One. So you guys, you go ahead and pull up Joe Wright's Twilight X. Okay. Let me. Um, uh, right let me, now uh, they've been collected. Um, they've been collected into two volumes. Everything he's written so far has been collected into two volumes. After War and Before Peace are the two volumes, and they are expensive. They're like what, forty bucks? Uh, uh, the 
I remember them being after, like, after war. It is forty nine ninety five, and uh, before peace was forty nine ninety five. Yeah, they're very expensive, but they were absolutely worth the price of admission. I got my fifty. I got my hundred bucks worth of value out of them. Oh yeah, Three. but I think, but I, I don't. I think only one of them is still in print, though. So you, I think you might only be able to get uh, book one. I don't think book two is still in print for some. I reason. have all the original comic books because I tried running them down in the early nineties, and when he was first doing it. Uh, he was first writing them. Uh, there was uh, he was it was showing up as like the second feature in uh, Antarctic Press's other comic book titles, and it got spread out everywhere. And the stories were sort of like uh, you know not really complete. But what they did is when in and and after war they took all that material and they even wrote connecting material so that the disjointed stories would all come together perfectly. Oh yeah, because there, because there, there was a lot of separate little series. There's like you know, a couple little like five, six issue comics of one story arc and another story arc and another story arc. It was very disjointed, but these collections, like I said, put them together, put them in order, and like you said, wrote the little bit of connecting. Like it might have been only a, a page or two, yeah. But they did a they did a connector to make it all cohesive. Yeah, and if you're a fan of Twilight 2000, the original 1980s vintage post-apocalyptic military you know, techno-thriller, uh, post-apocalyptic role-playing game, Twilight X is for you. Um, it, it's uh, centered on a sort of uh, alternate history where the Soviet Union and the United States come to blows. Um, the Middle East is a wasteland. Uh, the, you know, there's huge irradiated areas of the Earth. Uh, now, you know, the Soviet Union is broken up into sort of uh, warlords and Russian mafia that are running the place now. Um, the United States is having a civil war against a right-wing uh, America, uh, the White American Nationalist Klan, the Wankers. <laughs> always love that name. Always love that, the Wankers. We have this American flag with a big swastika in the, um, uh, in the star field for it. And, uh, but most of the story was taking place in the Caribbean which I found very interesting because there was nothing worth nuking down in the Caribbean. But there's the detritus of World War III all over it. You know, when they're down in some tropical island, there's always like some plane crash in the jungle with skeletons still hanging out of an F-14 you know, Tomcat or old uh, Soviet destroyers from Cuba just, you know, washing around the surf, shot full of holes, uh, tanks half buried in the surf. So there's this environment of, of wreckage and ruin in the Caribbean. That really, really works, uh, and he's heavily. He was heavily influenced originally by a lot of manga. Uh, oh yeah, that 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 is the one. Not issue, but the one, one thing I didn't care for is now, mind you, the scenery, the vehicles, very, very good, very cinematic, great looking story book. I mean, the art yeah. is fantastic, except that his characters are manga characters. Yeah. Yeah. That's the only issue I have with with his the, book. The other thing I'd point out is you just said it, the word cinematic. A lot of his comics, a lot of those stories come off like storyboards. Um, the two things that I found most storyboard was when the, the Marauders show up in their old UH-1 Hueys. And there's a scene where, you know, they, they this, this flock of... Uh, Choppers come flying over the yacht, the Totoro they're on, and that scene over and it, he, he uses like three or four double pages, you know. Uh, was, was, that, was, that, was that in the first book or the second book? I think it was first the first book. book. Was it the it's first the, book? It's in the first book. 
Yeah, it's the it's the pirates that raid the uh, that they they link up with a bunch of air pirates to raid a uh, uh, a white American nationalist clan supply ship, and um, that shot right there that really sold me on the comic book. The other thing that sold me was after you know being beat up on by the clan, the the uh, the sort of American neo Nazis, and dealing with gangsters and marauders and uh, little tin pot dictators on various islands. There's that one scene where the uh, the American, something shows up that's actually American, you know, where you've spent the whole story just, you know, not knowing what's going on in America and thinking that maybe it's just a nuclear wasteland, the only thing that's left of these right-wing nationalists trying to colonize the Caribbean because it's not radioactive. And then out of the blue, you know, there's that one thing where you're, you're you know, the, there's there's contacts coming on the radar and the Nazis are trying to get their anti-aircraft up. You don't know who it is and you turn the page and it's this, you know, fucking Corsair, uh, you know, uh, jet uh, uh, fighter bomber um, with somebody's, uh, with, with the, the nose art is Killer Cadogan from Ren and Stimpy written on the, you know, drawn on the fucking nose of the bomber as it's letting loose its bomb load. He really did a great job of building that scene up, and then, boom, you're like, oh, my God, it's America. You break into tears of patriotic joy that, thank God, there's something left of the old Stars and Stripes. And uh, he just did a great job with that. And um, they, I, have, I, they, they have a lot of, a lot of their aircraft, uh, which flipping through this year, uh, he liked the A-10. So the, yeah. you know, that's predominant in here is the A-10. There's a lot of older aircraft I like. The idea that the U.S. Navy is using stuff they got out of mothballs, because like the the, the intruder was it the A seven intruder and the A yeah. six Corsair. Um, there's a lot of aircraft that you know shouldn't be in the air, but that's all we got left. We're using you know aircraft that's ten years, twenty years out of date, but gee, it flies. So that's all they got left. Well, well, that's like with that's like with the Warthog, the A ten. They you know the, they freaking retired that thing, but then they realized what was was a Gulf one. That they it's realized that was a goal too. Oh, wait! This is this actually is useful for uh, air-to-ground superior, superiority. Let's. It's good let's, for let's, everything. That's what it's good for. It's fucking good for everything. You hear me, United States Air Force? You are you are fools if you drop the A-10. Don't well, do it. Well, well, they did. They're barely keeping those things around. It's like they're like they have like scrapyards of ones that are and they're using it to keep those things running because it's a it's a potent vehicle, and it's. It's great. It's uh, I, I think it's very. It's to me. It's a post-apocalyptic plane. If you ever ask the, uh, me. So. The, the the army would be buying those for themselves if uh, if we could ever get past the politics of no fixed wing aircraft for the army. Um, or yeah, if we a, or if we could actually get them manufactured again. That's the problem. Is we, we, America doesn't have the infrastructure to make things anymore, unfortunately, because it's all done overseas. So that's our problem. But. Uh, not our we, won't get it. we won't get into that. Not our weapon systems, but the idea that they'd retire. I mean, we haven't retired the B-52 because it freaking works. Why are we retiring the... All right, enough politics. Enough Enough politics, yes. It, yes, yes. It, or, or, or armchair general, you know, I'd fight the war differently bullshit. Let's move on to yeah. last generation. You would? You would fight the war differently? But, oh, uh... yes. I have, uh, I have all kinds of ideas. <laughs> I can't. I can't find those. Uh, I, I was trying to find that picture, but uh, all, all I all I know is there is an organization. One one of the characters in there is part was an Israeli commando, and his uh, group is called the Zealots. 
And they did put his uh, oh, yeah, uh, un yeah. un unit patch logo in there. Let's uh, get Zealots Complete My Mission. Uh, Antarctic Press actually put those out as T-shirts, black T-shirt with the logo on the chest, like a real military shirt would be. And I do have one, and I wear it all the time. It's, it's, a, great, it's a great shirt. What's funny is one day um, I was at a gas station. I was in line. I was just picking up a soda or something. And it was raining, so um, I was in jeans. I had my zealot shirt on. I had my uh, Vietnam style uh, slant pocket BDU on, and but the shirt was open. You could see you could see the you know the emblem on the chest, and I had my uh, my uh, what did I have? I had my black cap on, which was the Antarctic oh, outpost. My you know my Antarctic outpost thirty one hat, you know. So. Oh, and, you're and, you're you're totally rocking the nerd. Okay. <laughs> oh, I was totally. Oh yeah, I did. I had it. I had it made at one of those things in the mall where they do the stitching, and it says Antarctic Out U.S. Research uh, Outpost Thirty One hat. But uh, they. Yeah. Uh, but I had all this on. I just. Got, I think I just got. I was clean shaven. Just got my hair cut. So. Some guy, at, like he, like like pointed at my shirt, and he's like, "I was like, oh, you ex-military." He was, I guess, I just had that air about me because I had the army jacket on, the shirt, the hat on, you know. And I'm like, I didn't, I didn't know how to answer the guy, you know, because I didn't know enough to be able to bullshit my way through it. If the guy really was ex-military, I would be like revealed in like. Because then you look like a retard. Yeah, like a retard. I'd be like revealed in a matter of like a sentence, maybe two, you know. So, so what you have to do is you have to just go and be a junior grade retard and say, no, I just like dress up. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, yeah, it's a, I like playing with dollies, but uh, I like, you know, uh, it's, co it's cosplay, you know, it's cosplay. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, I, I just have to throw out the similar story. Um, my mom bought me a watch when I was in, in uh, college. It was this... Uh, uh, when it was right after the Soviet Union crapped out. Oh, yeah. Those those Surplus. Russian windable watches. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And got me this watch. And so, all right, I, I, I wore this thing around. I was in uh, school in Gainesville. And I remember being in a, in a comic book store uh, in Gainesville, and I'm buying something, and the guy goes, suddenly the guy behind the counter just goes, what are you, some kind of communist? <laughs> and I'm handing him money for a comic book, and I'm like, what the what the fuck are you talking about? I was like, I'm sorry. What do you mean? Like, your watch? What are you, some kind of communist? And I looked at it. And I realized, like, oh, this. I got this off a dead Russian major in the Khyber Pass, and I just took my comic book. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> you know, which all I'm doing is quoting Red Dawn. Nice. You know, all I'm doing is quoting that thing about the hat. You know, yeah. Red Dawn. But I just turned my back on him and walked out as quick as I could. <laughs> nice, nice. See, I, I wasn't quick enough to come up with something like that. But you know, the guy's like, "Oh, ex-military." He's like, "No, I, I guess I got to come up with a story, story about it." You know, because. Uh, but anytime I wear that shirt, I get people looking at me because, again, it's it, it's it's very it, it looks very you know like somebody who is military uh, you know police force wearing looks, a shirt like that. I like the patch a lot. It looks very genuine. And it's very cool that they put those out as T-shirts. They yeah, T-shirts. Uh, they're supposed to make hats eventually. I'd like to get a hat. I'd like a patch. I don't know. I'd love to see. All right, last thing we're going to talk about. One of my favorites. I, lo I love this one uh, to death. It was co It's a comic book put out by, again, another small independent comic book company in the mid-'80s called uh, it was Black Tie Studios, The Last Generation. Now, to me, The Last Generation. Got my copies. The first... Uh, Okay, yep, we got uh, uh, 
Here's the collected book of the first three and the five issues. The only five were put out. Okay, that's all yeah. that that's all that ever survived. That's all that made it. Uh, it was put together by uh, 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 Briar uh, Faust and uh, Porch or Pooch. I don't know. They're gonna hate me again. Like I tell people, can't say people's names. But um, first issue came out in like uh, I think May of like eighty six or eighty seven. Reddit would have came out in nineteen eighty seven. Local comic book store because the the cover had this on it. You got this bear, this wolf, and a, like a like a rune sitting in the background. I'm like, okay, I'm intrigued, and I started flipping through it. It's post-apocalyptic to me. This comic typifies it's Gamma World. This comic is Gamma World right here. You have mutated animals, you have PSHs, you have humanoids. Oh, you know, uh, do do we have to define pure strain human PSH uh, for because because you threw that out like everyone's going to know what PSH is. Well, if they don't, they shouldn't be listening to this podcast. Right? <laughs> but uh, <laughs> fair enough. Uh, pure strain human was uh, was the the regular human characters in the Gam World game for those who don't know what that is. And yes, I'm being snarky, so whatever. But um, it, it starts off with. Um, the bear is a shaman in his village. The village gets destroyed. He's on some kind of vision quest trying to find himself. The wolf is just a conniving thief who stole something from his village, and he's on the run. Uh, they team up. You know, there's other mutants around. Uh, they eventually run into the the pure strain human character and the and the and the mutated human. Uh, they're looking for something too. They all wind up being interconnected. They find underground complexes. They find a freezy. You know, they find somebody from the past in like cryogenic chambers. There's technology. You run into uh, other monsters. There's, uh, you know, there's like cyborg type creatures. I was about to say, weren't there like, uh, you know, sort of malfunctioning cyborgs? Was one of the main main points of of, of opposition were some uh, some sort of rampaging war weapons from before the fall. Well, no, they were kind of controlled by uh, these other folks. There's a little, there's this weird little Egyptian theme in it somehow. I don't know how it all ties in because it only ended, it ended in five issues, so I have no idea. You know, um, he, uh, 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 Faust, uh, uh, Mitch Faust actually goes to different uh, conventions from time to time, and I got to track him down one day. It's like, it's like, did you write the story? Can you talk to the guys? Like, can we finish the story? I want the story finished, you know, because uh, I because I, I loved it. It, it, it. Again, it is. If you like Gamma World, this is Gamma World right here. It, I, yeah. I can't I can't say enough uh, about that. Um, it, 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 it absolutely is everything Gamma World you wanted Gamma World to be. Wanted Gamma World to be exactly. Uh, there's weapons. There's you know high tech, low tech. I mean, um, it's a really good story. Uh, it is readily it is available. I, I believe you can still get them all on again Mile High Comics, uh, just like Survive. Uh, I think they still probably have them in stock there. That's where I wound up getting my copies, and I eventually, because I originally only had the first four issues for a couple of decades. Okay, this is again, again, kids. This is pre-internet. Okay, you couldn't just find things on the internet. Okay, you want to go to another comic book store, you had to like drive like out of state or something. You know, I can I can remember going. From one game store to another in towns in Florida, to to hit their used bin or their old, you know, out of print bin to find missing game materials or missing comic books, where yeah, you just had to you just because you call up these places, 
And when you call it that, I always got, I don't know about you, but for me in the 80s, comic book service was zero. You called up and said, do you have it's, this it's, back it's, issue? It's, it still is. <laughs> you called and said, you got this back issue? And they're like, fuck it, come down and look. Well, what am I, your slave? And then they'd hang up on you. So all you had to do is you had to get in the car and drive. Oh, yeah. And any, and any time I would travel to a different state, different part of the state, out of state, if I had the time and the access, I would break up the yellow page. Again, yellow pages because, again, no internet and smartphones, kids, okay? this That's only the phenomenon for the la less than 10 years old, kids, okay? <laughs> um, no internet, finding all this crap. So I would, like, find, like, oh, there's some comic book stores here. Let's go find them. And I would go to these comic book stores and find shit. Like, I used to go to Tampa a lot. I used to I'd go to Tampa for some reason a couple of times every couple of years back in the mid-'90s. And I would find I would we'd stay there, and I would find I'd give the break up the yellow pages, find comic books and hobby stores, and go to these stores and search their 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 shelves, their bins, and I would find out of print game materials. Uh, I found stuff to like you know sell on eBay, you know stuff for my collections. But again, now everything's all on eBay. Well, it's already been sold on eBay now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but now I've uh, but, but that's where I found uh, that I found that there was a fifth issue of this book. And eagerly ordered it, and was and consumed it in a matter of minutes. What it was there. <laughs> uh, so again, last generation, and I do have a little gem from there too, because in the back of the the magazines, they advertised what was put out was called the Last Generation Portfolio One. They put out this portfolio of these large sized uh, prints. This has got to be like a eleven by at least eleven by seventeen prints of all the main characters. Uh, this one is 97 out of a thousand that were printed. All it's all signed and everything. Um, I always wanted this, and per chance, uh, I also I, I created a, a Gamma World page on Facebook that a lot of people uh, go to, and I administer and I try to post shit there, just like I try to post shit on our site. But um, there was um, I've been busy, but. Uh, <laughs> There was a guy on the list. Who I, I, met, I posted an, an article I found about the last generation, and he mentioned that he had it. So I, 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 I sent him. That he had the. That he had the portfolio. He had the portfolio. He said, "Oh yeah, I own that." So I sent him a private message saying, "Can I make you an offer for it immediately? Can I make you an offer for it? You, yeah. Are you willing to sell it?" You know, he wasn't interested at the time, and I said, "Okay, fine." A couple weeks so later. You, so you burned down his house, got him fired. You know, uh, once his divorce started, then he needed the money. Yeah, no, no, no. I just broke down his door and took it. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but I, I uh, hit him up a couple weeks later and said, "Hey, just to let you know, if you if you will be willing to entertain an offer, here's my offer." I think I offered him like fifty bucks or something for it. You know, I didn't want to go too high, but I didn't want to go too low. I figured fifty bucks for something that's you know thirty years old, twenty five years old, out of print. You know, with shipping and you get it on eBay, I figured it was a good deal. He uh, uh, he wasn't interested at the time, but you know, about a month later, he said, "Hey, you know what? I thought about it. You know, I'm looking to clear some stuff out. I want to get these other things. I'll take your offer up." So we wound up making an arrangement. I got him some money, and uh, he she shipped it to me. And the funny thing was, he's out in Seattle, uh, where you live, and he's somebody who knows who you are. I can't remember the guy's name, unfortunately, at the time. At this that moment, that isn't uh, that isn't the guy of Velasquez or Vesquez or um, as a. No. 
it was like Ed something or Brian something. I, I can't remember uh, who his name, what his name was, but he knew who you were. I think probably from Pagan. You know, like he might have like yeah. he might have been one of these people who was like you said, hey, come to my house and move stuff, and I'll give you some books. And he was like one of these dudes who did that. That's right. I do know the guy you're talking about because I've only had that happen once where I had to shift, you know, uh, three pallets of hardback books uh, in one afternoon. And, uh, yeah, a couple of guys who were fans showed up, and in exchange for an hour's worth of work, they got a $40 book out of the deal. So yeah, mm, really wasn't too bad in exchange, I guess. Yeah. Nobody got a hernia. Yeah. So especially, it's a, especially me. Yeah, that's the key. So he did these, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's this collection of prints of the different characters. So it's one of those things I had to have. The only problem was one of them he actually had framed. So it is, and of course he didn't do it as, um, you know, something like this. If you're going to frame it, you use preservation glass. Just like uh, I did on my uh, Gamworld poster, which is above the desk now. You use preservation glass, you know, archival glass for something like this. You know, because you don't want the sun to freaking ruin it like it almost did on these. But I got my grubby paws on these uh, prints, which uh, made me very, very happy. So, uh, again, last generation can't talk um, enough about that one. Very, very Gamworld. So... Uh, now, mind you, folks, there's a lot more post-apocalyptic comics out there oh. than, we did, than we just talked about. There's a lot of stuff out there. I've talked to some of my other friends. They know some stuff. Uh, there's probably other things I didn't even talk about. There, there's plenty of out there. There's plenty of zombie ones. There's plenty of, you know, oh, ones that are out uh, there. Crossed. Crossed, That's, yes. Crossed, we, were talk, we, were, crossed we were talking about that. Right now, I hear nothing but good things about Crossed. But uh, it's sort of a virus apocalypse, and instead of turning people into zombies, it turns people into horrible depravity machines, where it's not just that they run around and kill people, but they tear off all their clothes and bite the ends off their own penises and rub poop on their face and, you know, have sex with fire hydrants and possibly lawnmowers. And so, it's, just, it's just off the wall. It's so kind of it's, it's Well, basically, so... Well, and I said this before, so so it sounds like uh, I'm gonna make some enemies here. So it sounds like Burning Man, but on a bigger scale, right? Well, it's Burning Man with cannibalism and having sex with lawnmowers. Well, maybe well, that happens. Uh, so it's 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 cannibalism. <laughs> it's a, it's a Burning Man with cannibalism. Great. Um, but so. uh, but uh, I've heard some very good things about it. A number of friends told me that they really like it. But again, it was finding the scratch to uh, catch up on the graphic novels. I just haven't had the time to do that. Um, too many yeah. other things that need to be bought and paid for right now. Yeah. So I've heard of that too. There's a lot of stuff out there, folks. These are just some of the things that we possess, we've read, that we've cherished and came, uh, you know, to, uh, you know, fell in fell in love with. Here's there's a lot more out there. You know, if you just and, do some and, searching. And had to work to collect. You know, that was the thing. These were things that we all had to pursue. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we, are no, we are not weak otakus. Okay? <laughs> no, we're not. I think Pat and Oswald would be proud of us. We'd be proud of us, yes. We, 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 had, a, we had to earn our stripes. But uh, yeah, there's a lot out there. And there's actually, uh, if you search, there's actually some web comics as well. Uh, oh, yeah. I, yeah, I want to mention real quick. A couple of them that I've discovered. Uh, there's one I discovered 10 years ago. I think it was like... Called something something called like uh, post new comic. It's kind of like set in like a frozen apocalyptic future. It hasn't done anything for a while. Uh, I've seen that one. I've read it. Yes. There's, there's that one. There's uh, one I discovered called the Wandering Ones. I haven't really had a chance to read it, but apparently it's out there. One of the ones that I love. It's a post new comic. 
the guy puts out one page once in a blue moon. It's called Gone with the Blast Wave. I don't know if you're familiar with that one. The yeah. stuff he does, it's humorous, but it's a really good comic. And I've read a lot of the stuff the guy does because the guy's like a graphic artist. He does stuff, and I've read a lot of his uh, some of his some of his blogging posts about it. He doesn't like the post-apocalyptic genre at all, and he says it. I don't like it, but he does this comic, Gone with the Blast Wave. It's a simple, the Red Army, the Blue Army, and they occasionally get the Yellow Army. You know, and they're fighting this this eternal war in the apocalypse. And it is funny. He does some humorous things. It's a it's a really good little comic uh, that it's he very, does. Very very black, very black humor. And, very uh, black pretty- humor. But it's great, and I wish he would do it more often. He always posts like, "Yeah, I haven't had a chance to do anything with it. I don't care." He's very flippant about it because he doesn't like the genre, and it's you know it's it's you know a chore for him to do it. But it's so good. If he would just do more of it, I bet you he could get a following. He could do he could do so much with it. But it's just, he just does not like the genre. He doesn't. Well, do he started it. it off as I mean, you started off. He's going to make a parody of the post-apocalyptic genre, and then suddenly it takes off on its own merits. Whoops. Yeah. You know that wasn't really the plan. Yeah, you know? it wasn't it wasn't a plan for for people to like it because I'm making fun of it because I don't like it. <laughs> but it's good. But it's good because that's some of the best. Like again, some of the best. Uh, you know, some of the best parodies and you know black. You know, trying to you know uh, make light of things is sometimes winds up being the best uh, the best imitation of, of of it. And you know, it's good iteration. Like for example, uh, it's kind of a weak example, but Weird Al Yankovic. He's he's a master of parody. He's a master of parodying things, and he did a song called uh, "Dare to Be Stupid" off of one of his earlier albums in the '80s, which is a parody, which is a style parody of Devo, you know, doing like Devo music. And as we, well, we, you know, but a lot of people don't know that uh, Devo is like my top the clo- the closest thing you have to a religion. Religion is Devo. So <laughs> uh, again, surprise, surprise. But. Um, uh, they, he did a parody of a, of, a, of a Devo style, and Mark Mothersbaugh had an interview, and they talked about that song. He goes, yeah, I hate him, because you know what? He does us better than we do us. <laughs> because he just so nailed the parody that it's like, yeah, it's perfect. It's, it's totally what we're trying to do, and he did it better than we did. So there you go. Uh, so that's what you know. That's what I, the point I'm trying to make is. You know, sometimes when people try to parody things, try to make poke fun of things, they actually do a better job of the people who are actually doing the thing he's making fun of. So that's yeah. what he did there. So yeah, so there's plenty of web cop, web comics. If you do some, if you search around, you could you could find you could find that stuff. All right. Well, I think we've rounded off our our uh, topic for the day. Once again, gone way over an hour because that's what we do. Yeah, whatever. But uh, I, 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 I've I've completely and utterly thrown in the towel and given up on trying to keep this show down to thirty minutes or to forty five minutes. So I've just I've just surrendered. So you know what? That's what's going to be. Whatever. <laughs> if you don't, right. if you, you know. Um, so I think our so our last word is goodbye. Just, that'll be that'll be our our time saving measure. Will be our last word is goodbye. Will be goodbye. Uh, but uh, what we're gonna do next time, folks? Not sure yet. Uh, me and Scott will talk during the week to see what we're gonna talk about. Um, not sure yet. I haven't really thought uh, that much in advance about it. But and as usual, like I always tell everybody, if you like the show, share it with your friends. Like the Facebook page. Like it on YouTube. Like the things. Click on this. Click on that. Share it with people. Follow us on Twitter. Blah.
All right, just do it. All right, stop sitting on your laurels like I do and just do it. Okay, so that's all for us this week, folks. We will see you again in two weeks. This is the Apocalypse Nerd, and he is Adam Scott Glancy. Goodbye. Goodbye.